The Scene. Everything music, local and beyond. of the scene jeff barnhart here with butch barnhart i'm here pete barnhart we're uh wiping the dust off it's yeah. been, it's been i, I looked at this the other day we did the jester episode over a year ago it's been a year yeah so wow. uh, we did the two live uh facebook live videos for the mm-hmm. pandemic mm-hmm. um so i count them as episodes but uh we didn't post them of course other than facebook live but this is actually the first podcast we've done in a in a, quite a while so um we needed a good reason to get back out and doing it, and I think we got one here. So we with do. us, we have, now listen to this, author. Author. Michael Baker. <laughs> <laughs> have hey, you ever, I, ever thought that you'd hear that? Not, not in a million years. <laughs> I think it's cool as hell, buddy. I, Thank I you. think it's pretty awesome. Thank you. And, uh, of course, the reason why you're an author is not the most ideal situation, no. but nonetheless, right. Right. Um, you know, we're here and we're going to talk about this. First of all, let's give him a little history about Mike and, and Tammy and why he's even here today. So I'm not sure who came first, Mike or Tammy to the show. They came way back in the early days. Yeah, I'm not sure days. either. What I was remember your first? My first Jester show was at the Broad Axe. Oh, and, wow. And I, I actually okay. lived in Hagerstown right down the street from the Broad Axe. And, gotcha. Uh, I remember that show. I was married to someone else at the time, and I was bored one Saturday night, and I decided to walk to the Axe, and you guys were playing. That was my first, and I was just blown away. <laughs> I remember that night, dude. I, Do you really? Yeah, I remember that as I was being there the first time myself. I met you. Because I remember there wasn't a lot of people there. No. And I remember looking out at this guy at the bar going, man, he really digs us. He's yeah. really into us. And I I know you were like watching Robbie and your mouth yeah. was dropped and yeah. it's like <laughs> yeah absolutely and absolutely so I made it a point that we you know talk and I think you came up to us and talked to us and probably we pretty yep. pretty outgoing so I definitely know Mike is being before wow. Tammy that's so that's well you crazy. guys didn't play the broad axe much maybe twice that's what I was thinking so that was maybe one twice. of maybe one or two shows that we ever did there yeah so. we had to move so the pool that is table out of one. Yeah, so, so we're yeah, talking 2002 to 2003. It was in there because yeah, it, it, yeah. it was early. I was I, early I didn't leave Hagerstown until about 04, So yeah, you're you're yeah, you're about right. So that's uh, that started a blossoming relationship between the band and Mike because he used to come out and yep. enjoy the shows, and of course Loved we love seeing Mike, and he always had good conversation about music because you're just a music fan, period. Absolutely, all my life. So uh, all kinds of great bands that we have in common that we like. Uh, here's our Van Halen reference, Van Halen mm-hmm. being one of them. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Every show we have a Van Halen reference. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, um, go ahead, Butch, then, after we meet Mike. So uh, Tammy comes into the picture. Mm-hmm. They start com- still coming out to the shows and join themselves. The Delmar is always the biggest place you always remember of, of right. the home shows base. and stuff. It right. was. It was like home base and stuff. You met Tammy yeah. at one of our shows? At the Delmar. So it at, was at the Delmar that you met. It was at the Delmar that we met. And it's, it's a funny story. Her and I, back when I was going to the Broad Axe, her and I were both into chat rooms and the internet and all this stuff. And her and I actually <laughs> talked in a chat room about a year before we met and we met at a jester show at the del mar and that just sparked 
That was it. Wow. That was it. We were both we were both sold in. We hmm. when when we got together, we went to as many jester shows as we possibly oh, I know. could. You guys were everywhere. Yeah. I think today you guys went down to West Virginia the time we played. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that was uh, Winchester or Winchester. Big Winchester. That's right. Out on seventeen. Right. She's from Winchester, so yeah, yeah. we made oh, a point. My Remember that show? <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, they they come out all the time. They were, they were definitely a fixture of our fan base and stuff. And um, you guys got married. We did. We did. We got. We had a. We had a, a son. We got married. We moved to West Virginia all in the same year. And. Still, for years to come, we we followed you guys around the tri-state, and we went to every show we possibly could. That's we always based. Hey, it's a jester show. That's that's where we met. It's where it began. Let's go. And we actually so, got to do uh, a party reception thing for you guys. You did. You guys which did was so cool. You guys did somewhat of a private show for us after we got married, and and you you did so many things for us. We were so grateful. That was one night that we will never ever forget. Yeah, and that's in the book. We'll talk about that here in a minute too. So because I <laughs> that's cool. that blows me away that anyway i'll get into that in a minute but uh also of course we took our little break when um butch retired mm-hmm. and um we had the reunion show and you know sure enough yeah Mike were there for us <laughs> they were there that night too and that was a special night well, too. hey real you know, quick did you ever come see the crush theory shows did you we did we we saw a couple crush theory shows um i want to say at the uh track side beside the beside the racetrack what oh, was probably one was Thunder Road Bar and Grill. Thunder Road, that's yeah. it. Thunder yeah. Road, yep. 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 Yep, we sure did play there a lot. <laughs> so, all right, so that's a little bit of a history there. So, um, we'll get into this here in a bit. Uh, I think we were, were we on vacation when we yeah, found out? we were. Because I remember yeah. we were both pretty upset about it. Um, we were down in Napa. About a year ago. Mm-hmm. Has it been a year? October will be yeah, a year. Okay, it was October. Yeah, that's right. We were down there for my birthday. And we saw, of course, a, a posting on Facebook that uh, Tammy uh, had had some medical issues. We didn't know exactly what it was at the time, but we just knew she was in not good good shape. We're going to circle around back to all this, but okay. nonetheless, let's just get to the point where she went through a lot. Uh, the whole family did. And how did this become a book? I started... It hit me one time sitting in ICU that she may, she may at one point in time want to know what she went through. So I started taking notes, just different things, different things she did, different things that happened in the hospital, the doctors, the tests, what have you. I just started jotting stuff down and it ended up, I, I filled up this entire spiral notebook with thoughts and, and things that happened. Was that therapeutic for you at the same time, do you think? Not really. No. Because I lived through it once, and then I had to write it, and I'm reliving it oh, again. You know, gotcha. and I spent t- so many days in tears. Um, it got hard to, it got hard to, to keep writing. Yeah. You know. Um, did someone approach you about doing something, or did you actively no. seek somebody out? No, I, I want, when, when it hit me that I had enough to put a book together, I did my own research and found that anyone can write a book and publish it. You don't need a publisher. You don't need, uh, people to, to, to write it for you. You can do it yourself. And I, I found enough information that I just decided, you know, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try this. I'm, I'm going to put this together and see what I can come up with. And I ended up with, 
what I think is a, a pretty decent representation of what happened. Mm-hmm. And I threw it on Amazon and it started selling. It's still selling. It's not selling as fast as I'd, I'd like it to, yeah. obviously. But it's out there and, and I'm an author. It's, it's, I can't believe it. So how does that work as far as you send... You just get on your computer, mm-hmm. you type it up. Yep, you, uh, you log into Amazon. There is, uh, I want to say it's Kindle Direct Publishing is uh, a, a page on Amazon, and you create an account, you submit your work. Two days later, it's out there. Wow. And you need to make sure it's ready because when it's out there, it's out there for anyone to look at. And I actually had to pull the book off and correct a few things because oh, right. I was... I didn't think everything through before I threw, I thought I did, but I didn't. And there were some mistakes and I actually had to pull the book back off of Amazon, correct it and put it back on. Wow. Wow. As far as your cover artwork and things like that, how's that happen? That is actually a program through Amazon. They will walk you through it and help you create, help you give you (laughs) ideas. They will, they will throw pictures at you. Do you like this? Do you like that? And it's free. It's free for anyone to do this. I was amazed at how easy the process was. And, I'm actually working on two more books now, um, but my my main focus is still in sickness and in health. Yes, and the story about Tammy. Yes, that's the title of the book, by the way. So you're going to hear that several times throughout the podcast. And I guess that's uh, kind of like when bands make a CD and they post it on Amazon to buy. I guess it's right. the same thing, it's, right? It's the so, exact same thing. Exact wow. same thing. That's amazing. Yep. So yep. you didn't have any outside help and no ghostwriters. Nope. Everything I, is I, all you. Everything came from this little five by eight spiral notebook that. There was some of it at the beginning. I was so upset and so heartbroken that she was going through this. I could hardly read it when I went back. I'm like, I don't know what the hell this says. Yeah. You know, yeah. so some of it didn't even make the book because I don't know what it says. It, <laughs> wow. I, was, I was just writing yeah. and scribbling and, and I don't, I have no idea what it means. Okay. So. Wow. Well, let's, let's try to get through the book here a little bit so people know the basis of what's happening. So. Okay. Let's start from the beginning. Uh, tell us what happened. Um, we were home one weekend and it was Sunday, it was October 12th and we just had a movie marathon and nothing was going on. She said she felt a little off, had a little fever, had a little headache and we ended up going to bed early and we said our good nights and the next day, um, you know, that night there was nothing. She made no sounds, nothing. It was a normal night and we get up the next day and I'm brushing my teeth and I'm trying to get her moving and I just stop and, and I'm staring at her and I'm like, she, she's not moving. She's not even breathing. What what the hell? And I go over, you know, I'm shaking her. I'm talking to her and, and I'm panicking. And the, the more this goes on, the more panic sets in, you know, and I open her eyes. She's not adjusting. She's not breathing. She's kind of foaming at the mouth a little bit. And so I call 911 and, um, so did you think maybe it was a seizure? Was that the first thought you had? I I didn't have a clue because she's she up until then was other than like cholesterol, like the normal things people yeah. people deal with, she's she was healthy. So I didn't really know what was going on and and the 911 operator walked me through how to do chest compressions and how to do CPR and I don't know if you've ever done that to someone. It is it is exhausting and I I did it for 15 minutes straight mm. and she would count you know one through four and or one through eight and and i'm doing pumps with every every number she she says and and i am just absolutely exhausted mm. by the time the ambulance gets there you know and they come up and they grab her and they load her up and pfft, they're gone and and i'm just 
I'm stunned. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to think. The bedroom is a mess. So I grab my keys and, and I'm out the door. And, and, and that's when it hit me that our son is downstairs. Oh, you know, how much did he oh, hear? What, what, what's going through? He's 14. You know, what's yeah. going through his head right now? And him and I actually didn't talk about it for a couple of days. And, and he come up to me and he said, so are we going to talk about what happened Monday morning? And he, he wow. caught me off guard. I said, what do you mean? He said, what do you think I mean? Mommy leaving out of here in an ambulance. That's what I mean. You know, so I just told him, I said, you know, she, she's in the hospital. This is what's wrong with her. And, and there is a very good chance she will not come home. Damn. Man, I tell you what. It's, it's still, it's still really real. Yeah. Seven, eight months later. It's, it's still, it's still hard you know, to, to go over what she went through. Um, so and there this was, is, I don't know how many people know Tammy, but she weighs about 90 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> uh, she looks she, like she's perfectly fit, you know, like she just she ran does. a half marathon. She went in 115. She came out 85 pounds Wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah. because she couldn't eat. You know, mm-hmm. she was on a liquid diet and, and, and she lost so much weight. She, she just, it just goes to show it. I'm any sorry, point baby, time, but you look so. bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at any point in time, I mean, anyone that you assume yeah. is healthy just yeah. could hit. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So how long yeah. was it before they officially said, "Hey, this is what happened. This is what's going on"? It was all day Monday. I sat in um, the emergency room, waiting room, and or uh, yeah, the ER. And finally, late afternoon, a guy came out to me and he introduced himself. He said, "We think she had a stroke." Like, what, what do you mean you think you, she's been in there all day? And he's like, yeah. well, we're, we're not sure what we're looking at. And so that gave me a basis of, of, all right, well, she had a stroke. You know, people have strokes all the time. You know, people yeah. bounce back from this. You know, it's not, it's not uh, the end of the world. And they came to me a couple hours later and, and they said, she's in ICU. You need to come up here. So I went up and they said, she did, in fact, have a stroke. But it wasn't one, it was multiple. I'm like, mm. okay, it's a little worse. So he brought, he wheeled this computer into me and, and he's going through the scan and he's pointing out what I'm looking at. And these white spots in her head are all mm. the strokes she had. And I stopped counting at 20. Wow. And the biggest one being, you know, the size of, a, of an orange. Mm. And he said, the, this was the neurosurgeon. He said, not in my 30 years have I ever seen someone have this many strokes. And I said, what are her chances? And he said, there, there, isn't, there aren't chances. There's chance, as in one. Wow. She will survive this. And I just, I just came apart. Mm. You know, I'm thinking, my wife, my best friend of 15 years that I'm going to have to say goodbye to. And where was so, this at? Uh, this was in ICU. At, at what facility? Martinsburg. Okay, so they took her to a local hospital just yeah, to they, get her diagnosed yeah, and they figure took out what's her, going on. Yeah, they took her to Martinsburg, and she stayed in ICU for a little over a week, about a week and a half. And now, they, I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. Did they, the fact that you had to give her compressions, did that save her life at that time? Ultimately, it did. Yeah. It did, because when they got her in the ambulance, they said she was actually breathing. Yeah. And, and I'm like, and she, she, was, wasn't, she, she wasn't breathing on the floor yeah, in, right. in our house. She wasn't breathing. And they were like, well, what you did saved her life. Yeah. Mm. So oh, absolutely it did. it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a medic. I know nothing about that stuff. So to, to be, to get a crash course in, 
doing chest compressions and, and CPR and stuff, I, I didn't know what I was doing. But over the phone. At, at, over, over the, the phone. phone. I, I set my phone down on speaker. And yeah. I listened to her, and I had Tammy on the floor, and yeah. I was just sitting on her doing chest compressions and listening to this woman on the phone. Yeah. And I actually later on, I called Berkeley County Dispatch, and I had them email me a copy of that phone call so I could listen to it. Wow. And Tammy's like, "Why? Why do you want to listen to this?" I, I don't said, think I, I could, dude. <laughs> I need to hear it. I need to take myself back there because that whole morning is such a blur. Yeah. I need it's. I need to hear this. Yep. And I said, do you want to listen to it? She said, absolutely not. I, I don't want to hear yeah. even a word of that. I'm like, I, I do. I'm sorry. I have to. And I've listened to it twice. And it took me to the second time to get through the whole thing. Because the first time I didn't get too much into it. I mean, I'm. You can tell I'm still a mess. Well, yeah. Well, you're how, how reliving long, it. How long is that recording that they sent you? Um, um, it's 15, roughly about minutes? 15 minutes. Wow. It took about 15 minutes for the yeah. medics to get there. So as soon as as soon as they knocked on the door, I told her that they were there, and she said, "Okay, go let them in." When I come back, she was gone. Mm-hmm. So it was about fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it took a, a day or two to get that diagnosis. Yep. Okay, um, so did they start a game plan? You know, rehabilitation yet, or no. did they just want to see if she was going to live? That's she was on full life support. I mean, bells and whistles, everything, breathing for you know she she was. She was gone, and she was held alive by these machines. And, you know, Tammy and I had had the conversation, like I'm sure you guys have, you know, with your significant other. What happens if you're in this position? What do you want? Right. And both of us agreed that we don't want to live. We don't want to be kept alive on machines. If that's the case, pull the plug. And you have those conversations. Yeah. They suck. Do, <laughs> do, they, they do suck, but, but it's important to have that conversation because you just never know yeah this is a prime example of that life may just slap you right in the face and you find yourself in that position with the person you love the most on this planet being kept alive by machines and you know that's not what she wants yeah and we waited just over a week and they did a couple procedures to her. They they opened up the back of her head and they cut out a piece of her brain. They put a drain tube in the front of her head because there was so much pressure inside yeah. her head from her brain swelling from all the strokes. She was cross-eyed. She was drooling. And all of that was the, the pressure in her head. So they mm-hmm. drilled a hole in her head. And this thing just started pumping this fluid into this yeah. bag. It was amazing. Yeah. And it's... An hour after that, she wasn't cross-eyed anymore. You opened her eyes, they were straight. She wasn't drooling. She she was actually sitting straight instead of kind of curled up the mm-hmm. way the, the her brain was making her mm-hmm. do. But at the end of the day, the machines were still keeping her alive. Mm-hmm. You know, she was not going to make it. And so I had a conversation with a team of doctors. I said, if you turn her ventilator off, what's going to happen? And they, they said, well, we will actually want to do a test if it's okay with you. We want to turn her oxygen down to see what's going to happen. And they said, be prepared that she may pass pretty quickly. And I just said to myself, you know, if that's the case, I know what I need to do. You know, she's, she's not going to survive. So were they going to turn the oxygen back up if, they, if it yeah, did go down low? Yeah, they okay. did. They did. They went in and they turned her oxygen down turned it back up and they come out and they grab me and you know our kids were there her sister was there her father some other family members and uh the doctor pulled me aside and said 
we almost lost her just turning her oxygen wow. down. Wow. Yeah. He said, so she will pass within minutes. So I had already had the conversation with my kids. You know, this is, this is what's going on. This is what your mother's wishes were. And I want you to be okay with what I'm about to do. And everyone agreed. Everyone was on the same page. And I just, I, I, I forced myself to make peace with the fact that I was going to make my wife take her last breath. Hmm. Um, so I met with the doctors at her bedside and, and I asked them if there was, there was anything possible they could do. And, and they said no. And so I just gave the nod of approval. And to this day, I wish I would have been the one to turn our machines off. I wish it would have hit me for me to be the ones to actually turn her machines off. But I didn't. I didn't even think about it. So we all left the room and the doctors and nurses went in and you heard one by one the, the, the beeps and all this stuff shut off. You know, and, and it was nothing. There was nothing coming from the room and the nurse called my name. And I walked in and she said, her eyes are open. Hmm. Excuse me? She said, her eyes are open. And I looked around the corner, and there's my wife laying there with her eyes open. Was there anything in the eyes? I mean, <laughs> no. Okay. No, I, I I, was hoping that I'd get up to her, and her eyes would move or blink or right. anything, but there was nothing. They just came out. Is that, did they say that's sometime a reaction? The, when the, the, yeah, the, the neurologist said that is sometimes a reaction of pulling the ventilator up out of their chest. It will spark something to get them to open their eyes okay so i said what's going to happen and they said we 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 stand by what we said she is going to pass at some point whether it's an hour from now two hours from now so you know sit with her talk to her hold her hand do what you want to do she will not make the night and uh so everyone left um my the pastor of my parents church finally showed up and i was sitting i turned the lights off and i just had my head laying on her hips and i was holding her hand and he walked in and you know i told him about what was going on and and the the current status and he said i'm gonna stay with you tonight okay and i sat with tammy all night it was probably three o'clock in the morning um i i I didn't sleep a bit I, i didn't want to miss anything and her breathing started slowing down. Her heart rate started slowing down, and you know she was only taking a breath every ten or fifteen seconds. And I thought, well, this is this is it. This is this is the the outcome that that everyone's been telling me. This is it's now. And she she was hardly breathing. Um, her heart rate was so slow, and and she did that for about an hour, and then I just noticed that her breathing was was picking back up, and her heart rate was picking back up, and I'm like, I. I don't. I can't take much more. Than this, yeah, you right. Know? Yeah. This. This is. This is without a doubt the hardest thing I have ever been through in my life. And she slowly started coming out of it. And a few days later, she was awake, and she's moving her eyes. She's gripping my hand. She's saying small words. I told her I loved her, and She tried to say, I love you, and it come out, of you. But I knew exactly what she said. I knew what it meant. Now, looking back, I don't know if you could tell this or not, but if you would have left her on the ventilator for another 
week or so, do they think the same result would have happened or that she would eventually have came back by being on the ventilator longer? Or I'm trying to figure out why and how this happens because it's just not supposed to happen. It's it's not. And when they took her off of the vent, um, you know, when I told them to do it and turn the machines off, I had met with the neurosurgeon, the neurologist, her nurses, her regular hospital doctors. There was a whole team of people that were working on her. And I met with everyone at the same time. And I, and I said, I want you guys collectively to tell me to agree and tell me that she is not going to survive if we turn off her machines. And they all, without a doubt, didn't hesitate and said, your, your wife's going to pass. And your, your wife's going to pass quick. So now, have they since told you that she's the very first that this has ever happened to that they know of? Or have I, they gone back and say, well, there's been this one that I had that this happened also? Or are they looking back in hindsight and saying, yeah, this happened once or twice? No, and that's actually part of the, the title of the book, um, Things That Science Can't Explain. They all looked at me after the fact, after they were after they released her from ICU and put her up on another floor in the hospital to try to see how far back she could come, they all looked at me and just shrugged their shoulders and said, this wasn't supposed to happen. She was supposed to die. Everything in her medical records, since she had the strokes, and even even two days later, laying in ICU, she had more strokes, and we didn't even know it. Mm. She had another MRI on Wednesday, and there were four more strokes that showed up. So she was still stroking, laying in ICU. We didn't even know it. Mm, You know, she wasn't moving. She wasn't doing anything. But there were blood clots that got loose and bounced around in her head and caused all of these all of these strokes. Mm. Um, But they all collectively said she was not supposed to survive this. She was supposed to die. Tell you what, let's take a break right here, guys, and uh, we're going to pick this up, and we're going to pick it up with the recovery process and, and where we're at today with that. So we'll be right back with Mike Hallbaker. You're listening to The Scene on 102.9 The Razor, WRZOLP, Chambersburg. All right, so we're back here with uh, Mike, author Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Brother, all the years I've seen you, man, I never thought I'd ever call you author. That's, uh, that's, that makes two of us. That's pretty <laughs> that makes incredible. Two of us. So... She's, you, you found out what's wrong. You found out what's happening. And right. as you described it, it was even happening as you guys, as they were monitoring her. Correct, yes. And uh, the deficit and everything else has to be overwhelming. I mean, there has to be major deficits involved with this. It, it is. It, it's overwhelming is, is pretty a pretty good descriptive uh, of... I mean, it was just awful. Was you she know? walking? I mean, was she? No, I I, I went so. through even after she came out um, the other side. You know, I had asked uh, the the neurologist and neurosurgeon. Um, you know, will she walk? Nope. <sighs> um, will she talk? Probably not. Mm. Like, what about you know using the bathroom, feeding herself? You're going to have to be there every day. So, mm. you know that that's what was described to me. Um, so before the rehab started, were you thinking in your mind, I got to get her in a nursing home and have full care type yeah, thing? Yeah, kind of. You know, they told me that the the majority of her strokes affected her left side and she would be permanently paralyzed on her left side, head to foot, um, her entire left side. She'll never walk. She'll never, you know, tire shoes. She'll, she'll never do this, that, this, that. Um, so as... 
as she got moved into a, a, another part of the hospital, you know, I started noticing things that they said she would never do. You know, she was moving her left foot. She was moving her left hand. You know, she'd look at me and she'd lift her, her left eyebrow and she'd smile at me. And she's not supposed to be doing this. You know, yeah. so it, she started giving me signs early on that made me think the the diagnosis from all the professionals was was as chance it was going to be wrong. Right. And as time went on, that is exactly what happened. And um, they kept her at Martinsburg for almost four weeks, and they sent her they sent her to a facility in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which what I was told was going to be step one of her rehab, and. Her caseworker came to me one day and said, I'm, I'm not quite sure why your wife was sent here because we are not a rehab facility. <laughs> I really didn't know what to do with that. I'm like, I, I've been making two-hour trips up here to see her every other day. What kind you of know, facility was it? It was just a regular hospital, just like Martinsburg. Okay. So once I found out... Who suggested that move? <laughs> the caseworker at Martinsburg, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah, she's lucky I don't know her name because I throw it out there. Um, but, uh, you know, she was there probably three weeks. And once I found out that she was not going to be getting any kind of rehab or, or any kind of help or therapy or anything, I started working myself. When I'd come home, I started calling the insurance companies, calling rehab facilities in the tri-state area from Chambersburg to, to Winchester, Stephen City, you know, trying to get a facility that would take her to give her what she needed. And it come down to three three locations, and I, I paid a visit to all three of those, and I decided on the one in Charlestown. And that facility turned out to be the best move for her out of all of this. So um, just to give you an example of how things work, you know, they called me and said, okay, she's ready to move from Harrisburg to Charlestown, but they won't come get her until you pay 50% of the bill. Jeez. I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, who do I call and how much is it? Well, here's the number, and it's $1,800. Just to get her down there. Just to take her down there. Wow. Now, if that didn't make me mad enough, two days later they called me and said, well, Mr. Hallbaker, you could have just come got her. Oh, wow. She could ride in a car. Holy smokes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, was, I was pretty pissed. But anyway, she she got to Charlestown, and I met her there that morning. And keep in mind, this, this whole time, almost two months or so have, have gone by, and she hasn't been able to sit up. She hasn't been able to walk. She hasn't been able to do anything, really. She she kind of started backsliding and going going back the opposite way in Harrisburg, you know, because she wasn't she wasn't being given the right type of therapy or rehab. So she was kind of backsliding a little bit. And when I walked into her room in Charlestown, this woman, God love her, she sat straight up out of bed and put both her arms in the air and said, Michael, where have you been? And oh, she just started God. she just started bawling, wow. which got me going. Oh, yes. I'm like, how are you doing this? How are you sitting up? She's like, I, I, no one told me I couldn't. <laughs> bless her heart <laughs> oh my god so so you know we talked for a little bit and in between the tears she said michael i have to pee take me to the bathroom i'm like baby you can't walk she said yes i can hold on to me she stood out of bed and she walked to the bathroom oh and all i was doing was holding on to her arms and i was walking backwards and she was following me and you talk about a man lose it i am crying like 
a little schoolgirl uh, yeah. because she, after all of this, being wrote off, saying she'll never walk again, she'll never do this, never do that, she'll be paralyzed. She's walking to the bathroom. Experts are telling you what, this. Experts, how long, are telling experts. You. How long experts. was this? The walk from the uh, from the morning of the CPR. Months, several months, almost two months. Okay. Do you think the severity of her condition made everyone write write her off and not? Try to let her walk. I do. Try to set her up. I do. Because I saw the scan results. And, and even though I'm not a, a medical professional, I didn't know what I was looking at. They, they described it as as they sh- would flip through the slides. They would describe to me what I'm supposed to be looking for. Mm-hmm. And it was not good. You know, even for me saying it's not, it, it was it was awful, mm-hmm. you know. And they said, you know, she's, she's not She's not going to survive this. She's mm. not going to make it. Mm. To two months later, I'm helping her walk to the bathroom. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of God sad bless. state because if medical professionals, I know they see thousands of cases and they think, okay, it's happened a thousand times where this person has died. But this one person, yes, yeah, she stayed alive, but they think, okay, she's not going to walk, so we're not even going to try to let her walk. Right. And right. she's not going to set up. We're not even going to try to let her set up. There were other doctors and nurses that came to see her in Martinsburg because word had traveled through the hospital about this person that suffered all of these strokes and was supposed to pass away and didn't. They wanted to see her. Mm. And people would stop by and just kind of look in and like, you know, can I help you? No, I just wanted to see your wife. She's she's mm. uh, she's a miracle in here. Mm. You mm. know, so word mm. had traveled and... She might be uh, a write-up in a medical journal. Uh, very, yeah, I mean, very possible. Pr- very possible. That very possible. These, uh, she'll be a case study. I mean, it's very so, possible. And very hopefully, possible. Um, someone that may be suffering the same thing, and they say, you know, we're just going to give up on them. They'll say, well, we had this one study. Yeah, <laughs> this Hallbaker girl. Yeah, and that was part of what I tried to, um, what I tried to portray in the book was, you know, if you find yourself in this position. You know, by no means listen to their their word is not the gospel. Mm-hmm. Do not listen to them. You know, I did, and I turned the machines off. I turned the life support off. You know, and she woke up. It wasn't supposed to happen that way. So, um, the whole point of that was try to try to reach out to people who may be in the same situation and and maybe give them a little hope, a little faith, um, and reason to question the man question the doctors mm-hmm. you know um their word is not the final word exactly mm-hmm. was this in tammy's personality was this fight absolutely in her personality absolutely mm-hmm. this this absolutely describes her to a t and we've joked about it before and you know we've talked about it you know your life support was turned off you know you were supposed to you were supposed to pass on and you know and i told her i don't know how many times you know god was waiting on her her mother who had passed away years before her mother was waiting on her it would be okay and and to let go and she said i wasn't done yet she said i wasn't done with you yet meaning me i'm like all right you know i'll i'll take that but that's that's exactly her attitude that that is the i will not stop until i'm ready fight that this this woman has shown me for 16 years that's amazing and talking with tammy after the fact when she got home and whatnot can she pinpoint the first moment she remembers yes. after that night that she yes. had to stroke yes she she, she lost two months okay she doesn't remember leaving the house in the ambulance she doesn't remember anything in martinsburg and she remembers nothing in harrisburg even from 
when they her her incision was leaking brain uh, spinal fluid onto her pillow and they took her from Harrisburg to Hershey and then they put a couple stitches in it and they sent her back to Harrisburg she remembers none of that she remembers when they wheeled her into Charlestown she said it was like a switch went off and she remembers going in that facility laying in that bed until I got there she remembers me walking in, and she remembers everything from that been? moment on. Where, where have you been? That's exactly oh, what she said. Where, Michael Todd, where have you been? <laughs> where, what was her last memory leading up to the stroke? Does uh, she remember going to bed that night when you were watching movies? The, the Sunday before. Okay. The day before, she remembers. We had a movie marathon okay. going. She remembers not feeling too good, had a headache, a little bit of a fever. She remembers that day. So she hasn't lost anything from her past before no, the stroke. No, Everything's good. Right. No, she she has no no blank spot other than Martinsburg and Harrisburg, the two hospitals. It's probably a good and, thing. And, <laughs> and I t- I've told her that. I said you you mm-hmm. it's a good thing you don't remember. Yeah. Because it, it wasn't a fun time. You know, yeah. you were in really bad shape. Yeah. Um So but, when she gets she gets to Charlestown and then uh things start to move along pretty quickly then and it actually just took off. I, I couldn't believe her progress and when I would show up, I would go there every day and I would watch her do her therapy and and I'm, a light went off and I'm because I'm standing here watching her doing her arms, her legs, you know, walking, bending this and that and I'm thinking we can do this at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't need to have her here. She's well enough. She can come home. And this is the type of facility that if you have a relative there, you can go get them, snatch them up, and take them for a slice of pizza or something. They're not locked in there. They can leave if they want to leave. So I said, let's go for a ride. So I took her out. I put her in the car. And I said, and I knew her answer before it even come out. I said, where do you want to go? She said, take me home. (laughs) You know, mind you, she hasn't seen our son um, our two cats were going nuts because mommy wasn't there, you know. So there was a whole different dynamic at home because Tammy wasn't there. And she said, "Take me home." So I took her home, and I helped her get in the house. And she said, "Just put me on the couch and turn the TV on and cover me up." So that's what it did. I helped her on the couch where she likes to lay, and I turned the TV on. I gave her a blanket, and she was out like that. She took this just this nap that she said it was the best sleep ever. <laughs> so uh, an hour or so after, I said, you know, I, I got to take you back. She said, I don't want to go. Wow. And it was already turned. The wheels were turned in my head that the therapy and what she was going through at the hospital, we could do at home. So I didn't tell her what I was planning just yet. Um, so I took her back, and then I, I talked to the, the caseworkers and everything. I said, you know, Christmas is right around the corner. Um, I want her home for Christmas. I'm, I'm going to take her home. And they were like, well, when do you want to leave? I said, Friday. This was Wednesday. Oh, wow. They're like, well, uh, we don't re- know. I'm taking her home. I'm checking her out. Get her stuff together. I had power of attorney, so I had to sign off on all this stuff. Sure. Get her stuff together. She's leaving Friday. So I ended up staying there Wednesday night and Thursday night. Friday we had a meeting with all of her caseworkers and, and the professionals, they gave me all this. It's like I'm signing a mortgage, you know. I'm signing my name to all these all these different documents. Were they trying to talk you into staying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, I've seen enough out of my wife where what you guys are doing, I can do with her at home. I had already ordered a wheelchair, a walker, a cane, rehab toys and things that she would have to work things i seen in the facility i went home and i ordered off amazon stuff was getting delivered like every other day and i said there's no point in this i'm home i'm not working i want my wife home and i took her home and we did therapy rehab for the next month and a half at home how tough was that 
Uh, it was it was hard. I'm not gonna lie, but the the whole being home energized her to a whole new level. Motivated she, her. It did. It yeah. motivated her. She wanted to go. She wanted to be able to hold the cat. She wanted to be able to go to the kitchen and make herself a, a glass of tea or whatever whatever it was. And she she still uses a walker, but God love her. She can go into the kitchen, make herself something to eat, a sandwich, drink, whatever, and back to the couch she goes. Huh. And she's she she has some serious limitations, I'm not gonna lie, but she's alive and she can hold her own. And she's there. You know? she, yeah. she and mentally, yeah, she's not. She is, she is as there as I need her to be. You know, is she doesn't. She may do things differently than she did before, and she may not be able to do everything she did before. Um, she can't drive, obviously. She's got some vision issues, some little blurry vision that she didn't have before, but nothing that's holding her back. You know, she's. She's she's still in my eyes. She's still that girl I married 16 years ago. <laughs> you know, she really is. We're talking to Mike Hallbaker here. He's uh, talking about his book in sickness and in health. And this is a long title: Chronicles of a Stroke: A True Story of What It Leaves Behind, The Amazing Power of Collective Prayer, and Moments Science Cannot Explain. So let's talk about the science real quick. Everything the doctors gave you a list of, she would never do. Let's go down through that. Okay, live check correct <laughs> correct walk nope okay talk nope um what was some other things as she progressed and she was proven wrong did they she, say okay she can walk but she can't be doing this now i mean were there other things that she ever came no she she really started proving them wrong she got out of icu and went to the other floor in martinsburg and she really didn't the 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 the, the doctors that gave me these these calls these diagnoses really didn't get to see what i saw and and allowed me to think to myself you know i think they're wrong i think she's going to be able to bounce back i think she's going to come back from this at least more than what they they thought um are there some doctors that don't even know once she there, left martinsburg <laughs> there are there wow are there and i actually called back into berkeley county um uh icu months later and i told them i said i don't know who i don't remember who i talked to but the girl that answered the phone i said i don't know if you recall um the woman who had multiple strokes she was in room eight in icu for a week and a half or so um her and i gave her her name and she said i think i do i said well i just called to say because of you guys she's home and she's alive and she's doing damn well wow that's cool <laughs> you know and and she was and the girl really didn't know what to say she's like i'm i'm so happy to hear that and i would love to take tammy back into icu and say look this is look this is yeah. this is what you said would never happen yeah. watch yeah. her go I think you have to do that, dude. I would love to. I think you have just for the fact that if these doctors and nurses can see that this can happen, that maybe another patient could benefit from they that. They may not be written so, off so quickly. So, yeah, you know, because I think that's important. I I I went down the checklist. You know, what's she gonna do? And everything was no. Yeah, yeah. and they were all wrong. <laughs> they were all wrong. And uh, you know, I'm I I told Butch, I'm I'm not the most religious guy in the world. Even being brought up by religious parents, you know, being forced to go to church, I kind of got away from that. But, you know, I I got to think this was this was more 
this wasn't so much the doctors yeah that that yeah. that allowed her to bounce back from this you putting know? it in so that higher power category i, I am yeah i am yeah. you know and i did a lot of praying and, and i'm not very good at it i don't know if i did it right i don't really care but i <laughs> i did a lot of it a lot of us out here a lot of us out here prayed for you too <laughs> yeah a lot of I, us out here did too. yeah once once i told um some people that go ahead and tell everyone let them know what's going on it spread like fire and my phone just was relentlessly i had to just turn it off yeah, because I, I was trying to focus on her and my phone was just constantly buzzing and <laughs> ringing and buzzing and ringing i know it's and, a double-edged um, sword where you you appreciate everyone being sympathetic but at the same absolutely. time it's like you know absolutely you, have this, break? I, this is it you know you get it i i gotta focus on her i appreciate everything you know and and when she would sleep i would try to scroll through the messages and the texts and the yeah. calls and now, did you have um, to set up some boundaries as far as people wanting to come in and see her and whatnot? I, I did at first. Um, I made it very clear I didn't want visitors because it was me and the kids and her sister and, and my parents and her father, and that's all I wanted. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want all the extra drama that goes along with this mm-hmm. type of situation. So I said, just give me some time. I'll let you know when it's good to come in. And, and I told a couple of my cousins um, – uh, that you know, go ahead and come in. I, I need someone for me. Yeah. Meet me at the meet me at the waiting room, because if I don't get if I don't get away from this, I'm going to lose my mind. Sure. You know, so they come in and sat with me for two hours, and we just talked, and that was that was more than beneficial to me. And there was a couple people I told specifically, do not show up yet. I'm not ready. I don't want you around her. And they showed up anyway. Mm. And. I, I don't remember the exact words, but, <laughs> but I wasn't exactly nice to them. And mm. they they left just like that because they knew how, how upset I was that they showed up anyway, even after being told no. Yeah. So. I think we all have family and friends that are kind of like that, where they just want to be so helpful and they don't realize that at it that is. time, you know what I mean? It's it just, is. It's not needed. You know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a cross of wanting to be nice and wanting to be there and all that, but you cross a border you cross that borderline of of you know i told you no and you show up i mean come on man just (laughs) you you gotta go you got you gotta leave so now that she's been home for a while uh i mean is it anything outside of routine doctor visits for you has she had to make a emergency room appearance or anything like that we have not we we had follow-up appointments for the first month or so and she went through different tests you know breathing tests walking this and that and she passed everything with flying colors. Wow. Um, we don't even have doctor's appointments anymore. Wow. It's just her and I. Um, Did they do a follow-up MRI scan to see if, like these, if the blood was just absorbed? I mean, they did, trying to explain. They did not believe it or not. Really? They have not done an MRI or a CT scan since um, she left the hospital. Okay. Because I was wondering if you, I mean, you're seeing her making these incredible strides. Right. I was wondering if they would go look for physical proof that maybe the brain healed itself or that type of thing. But well, they didn't decide to do that, huh? From what I understand, uh, some of these strokes were so big that they, the chance of them healing were very slim. And they opened her up in the back of her head. And they removed a piece of brain matter that was damaged from some of the larger strokes. Yeah. And they said, we need to take this out to keep the brain from trying to heal it. It's not going to be able to heal it. So let's let the brain focus on just getting better instead of healing these bad areas. Mm-hmm. And she come back and she had her whole head shaved and this big bandage on the back of her head and then the the drain tube and everything what they what what they did worked very well 
you know, especially the drain tube of draining the fluid out of her head. That was one of the more beneficial uh, things she had done because I could see, I could see the physical improvement an hour into this of mm-hmm. filling this bag up with this hmm. with this fluid. I, you know, I I she'd opened her eyes and her eyes are straight, mm-hmm. and just an hour ago she's she's cross-eyed. You know, and I actually talked to the doctor. I said, "What's what's with this?" He said, "It's the pressure in the brain inside the head. It causes." your eyes to go crossed it causes this it causes that and that all went away mm-hmm. you know and to this day she's her eyes are perfectly straight um she she's she's doing i mean she has limitations obviously but man she she's a fighter That's she amazing. is such a fighter do you think she's at the point where she won't get any better or is she continuing to improve i mean what percentage out of 100 would you put her at right now I'd put her probably at 70% of her old self, okay. and I think she has pretty much leveled off. Okay. I haven't seen any real improvements um, in a while, um, but for someone to suffer 25-plus <laughs> strokes and to not survive to what she has, what she has fought and become— I am more than proud. Yeah, I was going to say seventy percent is a damn good yeah. number. She, <laughs> she, she is. She's Absolutely. she's probably seventy percent of her old self. Yeah. You know, and, and she and, has a quality of life. She and she she does. Life. She does actually. It's 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 better than we both expected. Because yeah. that's something that I always remember from you know your Facebook posts or things like that. You guys were always doing something, always going somewhere, yeah. always enjoying those things. So yeah. So enjoying life has always been a big part of your marriage and your relationship. That's the that's the one thing. I miss is she lost she did lose the desire to go on little adventures that we would always do whether it was every weekend or you think that's out of a fear of her lack of ability to to be mobile like she used to or i i think so yeah i I think so and and i'm not gonna i would never call her out on it or try to make her feel um any less of a, yeah. of a woman i'm not yeah. going to do that because she has already proved to me that she's stronger than i am and mm. she's stronger than most people i know yeah. but she just lost that drive to to venture out and do things she doesn't even like to go for car rides yeah. you know so our life now is a little bit different than what it used to be you know we're home bodies and and i'm okay with that yeah. because i get to spend every day with her every night with her i get to see what she's still overcoming and um, you know, her left hand, she was never good with her left hand anyway. Yes, I'm telling on you, baby. I'm sorry. <laughs> she was never really that good with her left hand anyway. But for her to be able to take her left hand, grab it, unscrew a lid, and put it down, put it back on, just like I can. That's amazing. Yeah. What else What else would I expect her to be able to do? Yeah. I mean, she, this is little games we used to play. Just put something up and, and pick it up with your left hand pick it up with your right hand just eye hand coordination this is exactly what we would do mm-hmm. and i know you can't see what i'm doing but i'm just handing a bottle back and forth between my left and right hand and and that helped her and we did that for months and she got to the point where she you know it's la 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 this is getting old you know she she got that good at it but her left arm still isn't really that that great but she can use it um she doesn't walk with a limp anymore um her left leg is doing fantastic a little bit of a vision issue. Uh, a, her she's her balance is still a little bit off. She's still a little bit wobbly. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I'll take it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm so damn proud of her. I I, I don't even I can't that's, even explain how thrilled I am with her. That's amazing. 
Well, we want to thank you, Mike. Uh, I know this couldn't have been easy for you. Um, um, I no. mean, it's a double-edged sword. You want to promote the book. And, it is. Uh, but it, I, I'm sure it's always hard to talk about it. So It, it is. Thanks and for coming over and doing that for us. I uh, appreciate you guys having me over here. And, yeah, it was it was a little hard at first. Uh, um, it's, it's still even many months removed. It's still, you know, a very, very sensitive uh, topic. But I appreciate you guys having me over here and get to talk about the book and um as i told you before i'm it's uh, available on amazon right now uh paperback and e-reader download if you have a kindle mm-hmm. or, or whatnot you can download it i'm in the process of recording it for an audiobook uh, the recording should be done in probably a week or two. Is that a, another Amazon free issue? It is. That is, man, that is. is amazing. It is. It is. I, I did all this research and I found out that I could actually put this book together and do it for nothing. And that's incredible. That's why I tried to keep the prices low because it didn't really cost me much other than, you know, a, a couple fees with some of the things I decided to do with it that that cost me a little bit, but it wasn't that big of a deal. But anyway, I'm recording it for an audiobook that'll be available in a week or so, also on awesome. Amazon. So, awesome. so regardless of how you like you, your books, are you sole? Do you have sole ownership of this book, or I does do. Amazon? Okay, I didn't I know do. Amazon. You would sign off some rights to them to do I this. I do. Okay. No, I I have sole copyright. Uh, everything belongs to me. Um, the only thing Amazon gets is whatever they charge to ship the actual paperback. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no no say in what they charge with shipping, um, but uh, no, everything everything solely belongs to me. Okay. It is, it's 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 amazing. That would kind of suck. You write the book uh, and then you have to sign over the rights. To yeah. yeah, well, I, that was part of the the investigating that I did. You know, if I do this. Am I going to have to hand this over to someone? Is this going to belong to someone else? Yeah. No, it is. It's all mine. It will be all mine. Um, you know, it's. I'd I'd love for it to to catch fire and start selling and have everyone read this. I know that's not going to happen, but um, no, well, it's great. Amazon's been fantastic. Well, I mean, that's the purpose why we're doing the podcast is, exactly. is to promote this. So all of our listeners out there that's listening to this podcast and stuff, make sure you get on Amazon, download this. Oh, the also the app. Uh, the the yeah Kindle Reader app yeah the yeah. Kindle Reader app that's yep. what that's what I did to do uh, yeah, if you don't have do a Kindle uh, yeah. or an iPad you yep. can just get on your cell phone and yep. and do the Kindle Reader that's, app. that's, that's a, good, that's it's a like, very good point it's a absolutely. free app you get it and and, and the book so, and bang. absolutely so, absolutely that's, well that's here's a good my point. thing with with the whole thing uh, even if you don't know Mike and Tammy uh, and if you do know Mike and Tammy you have to read this book it's amazing absolutely. it really is I I read it in one sitting it was uh, it was pretty quick i didn't think the book was as short as it was like you said you didn't make this huge yeah, new I, novel I, but I, I didn't this this wasn't supposed to be some 400 page page novel i kept the fluff out of it i kept i tried to keep it as short and as real and as raw as possible and i think it's 80 pages or something yeah. like that it's it's just under it's just under 100 it's definitely pages. to the point um yeah. and I, I that's that was done intentional i wanted to keep yeah. this as, as as easy as a read but to the exact point of what we what we went through and i wanted everyone to get at that point right as they were reading it right. you know, that's why i kept it the way it was yeah i'm, I'm not gonna <clears throat> brag or anything but uh 
We actually got a little shout out. We're in the in book. The book. <laughs> <laughs> we got a little shout out. I, I can't. I mean, I, I, okay, he doesn't specifically say Butch, but you know, it's, it's insinuated. This is Butch. Imagine if Hollywood gets a hold of this. I okay? know. It's Richard funny. Gere and Julia Roberts are the main yeah. characters. Richard you know? Dreyfus could play you, Butch. And no, <laughs> yes. I'm thinking Tom. I'm thinking Tom Cruise, like in uh, what was the uh, the Rock of Ages? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, I had to put Jester. I had to get a, give a shout out to to my friends and jester um because and, and and like jeff said if anyone knows me and tammy they know we we've always followed jester around the tri-state over the last 15 years and they they were the reason we got together and they've always been a special a special part of us you know even if we didn't make the show we followed them online you know we we, we always knew where the boys were so and uh, you know they did a, a quick semi-private uh, show for us when we first got married many many years ago, and and I just felt it was deserving that Jester was in the book. Yeah, well, it was an absolute thrill for me to read that. <laughs> it I, was. Trust me, it was a thrill. So, the book is called "Sickness and in Health: Chronicles of a Stroke: A True Story of What It Leaves Behind, the Amazing Power of Collective Prayer and Moments Science Cannot Explain" by it, Michael Hallbaker. Yeah, wow. you just Google my name so, on Amazon; it'll pop up. Last name is spelled H A W B A K E R. Once again, even if you don't know Mike and Tammy, uh, the book it just reads so well, and it's almost like it's made up because you cannot believe that a woman or anybody would survive. The, yeah. the circumstances that she was in, yeah. especially with the multiple professionals telling, telling Mike that she's just not going to survive. Yeah. Right. And then for her to survive and then get through the rehab and then to be to the point where she is right now, it's almost a movie script. It, it's, it's just seems I, like I really it's not true. That. I really so, appreciate that. Uh, and it's a testament to, uh, to Tammy's fight. And also I think sickness and in health is a very good title for the book. Cause Mike, you were there for it, brother. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you yeah, stood by her side from, from the moment it happened <laughs> to right now. And, uh, a lot of people can learn from that, you know, putting into your marriage, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we've been married a long time, and, and you know what's funny? You know, we we got we go through the the same little ruts that every married couple goes through, and and it's funny how this this happened, and how much closer it brought Tammy and I back to where we used to be. You mm-hmm. know, we're back to being best friends again, and 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 not just husband and wife, but we do everything together again. You know, yes. it brought us back to where we were you know maybe a few years ago and it's i'm not gonna say it's a blessing because it's it's not at all but if if there's one good side about this it brought tammy and i back together yeah that's amazing what we're gonna do folks is we're gonna go ahead and when we post this uh on the facebook page and on uh, soundcloud and whatnot we're gonna include the link to the book Mm -hmm. so you can just click on it go download it it's an easy uh, click and just buy the book and like i said it's a great read it's inspirational. Uh, I, I think everyone in, uh, that's listening has had someone that suffered a stroke or, or some kind of a medical uh, catastrophe. Um, and uh, this is another testament to that. But this is a, a very good ending to it. So yeah. a very happy ending. So, Mike, thank you, sir. Thanks, thank you. Mike. Thank appreciate you, guys. It. I really appreciate so, it. Absolutely. I really do. God bless you, brother. Thank you. You too. All right. So uh, hopefully we'll be back uh, with some more music episodes here soon. Um, in the meantime, just... Uh, Go to our Facebook page, The Scene Podcast, and you can always go to soundcloud.com and check out our past episodes. So, gentlemen, yep. it was good uh, talking yeah. again. It's good been a while. Me again. Yeah. Where the hell you been? Knock so. the dust off of this thing. <laughs> All right, you guys, take care. See ya.